Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the show where a real statistics professor gives you sports betting tips. I'm your host, Professor Sides. And for the latest updates and information, you can find me on Twitter at Professor Sides. This Major League Baseball episode covers both games scheduled to be played on Saturday, October 22nd, 2022. We are in the middle of the championship series. In case you're new here, check out the webpage on the banner. It's www.pitchtheprofessor.com slash new for a primer and explanation of what we're doing here. Once you've got that down, the goal for this episode of the show, key information about these games, give you some things to think on and explain why certain plays are being made. I never recommend blindly tailing or fading any pick, rather hear the justifications and thought processes to make sure you're fully on board with me or against me before investing your hard-earned money. As always, remember that there are no locks in gambling, so what I'll provide are loves, likes, and leans, that is A, B, and C grades, to indicate my confidence level with respect to scaling wagers. However, please understand that good and bad variants will occur, so as much as I'd like to see will be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Split the two picks on Friday for a break-even night, but if you're with us over on Patreon, I had one of the two as the play of the day, and that was the winner. So again, three bucks a month gets you in the door over there, and it will be worth your while, I guarantee it. Uh, Saturday, so we've got plays the time slot coming shortly there by the time you watch this this may be up so lots of things uh worth a small investment right there um so that was at least a good part of friday otherwise the impact of how friday played out i will talk about and how it affects Saturday's game. Uh, but before we get to that, some reminders, please hit that like button if you're on YouTube. Also, if you aren't yet, please consider subscribing or following. It's free. And if you turn on notifications, don't miss any of the college basketball and will be your college football content that this channel provides. And a reminder, we've set up a Patreon page for those of you looking to support the show and get extra benefits. Again, three bucks per month. Get you all the plays of the day and any plays that we are unable to make on show because the lines are unavailable or they've changed. We've also got other tiers for other benefits, um, including five bucks a month. Get you also access to that Discord chat where you can ask us questions. Uh, it's the easiest way to get a hold of us, to get a response from us because it pops up on our cell phones like a text message. And so we can always respond to those the quickest. So if you're looking for some questions to get answered, that Discord chat is the place to do it, but we'll get right to it. Uh, all lines courtesy of Bet Online. Sign up link in the show description. And current as the time of this recording on Saturday morning. And a reminder: the price you see on screen in parentheses is the money line price needed for those sides to reach a certain level. Play according to sideline. <clears throat> Late afternoon start, five oh seven Eastern. First pitch: Astros at the Yankees. Game three in this series will be Christian Javier and Garrett Cole. Uh, whether it was because of a champagne bottle or not, I'm not really so sure. But Lance Colors Jr. will be pushed back to game four. I think that makes a lot of sense given his arm um, sh- arm history, arm troubles. Um, with the weird, got games three, four, five, six, seven all in a row. We talked about this earlier that you're going to have to either go with a fifth starter or go with the fourth guy on short or go with one of the guys on short rest. For the Yankees, it's a no-brainer. They're going to bring Cole back on short rest if he gets to seven uh for the astros it, you know you got two guys who weren't starting who could do the job and you didn't really want to do it with mccullers but javier according to sideline is just as good as mccullers i said all season he's one of their top four pitchers um and javier is a guy who has a little bit more of the resiliency to back back bounce back on three days rest so uh i, I like this move for the astros whatever the reason is to have javier start in game three rather than four and projection wise it doesn't really change much again i think both pitchers are pretty similar javier's been the better pitcher this season but you do have to consider that historical data doesn't 
it doesn't mean nothing, right? It, and, and I know a guy like uh, Dan Zaborski over at Fangraphs has talked about this a lot when he runs his uh, historical models and, and looks at, you know, just using preseason prediction versus in-season data, that that preseason data, even towards the end of the year, still has a much bigger effect than our brains probably want to think. So uh, it, when you balance all that out, I think both Javier and McCullers are both pretty good pitchers. Neither one of them are as good as Garrett Cole. This is the one game that the Yankees, you hesitate to say must win, um, but according to my probabilities, the, the 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 likelihood that the Yankees win the last four in a row, uh, if they were to lose this one, is about 5%. So it's pretty much a must win here. It's their best pitcher on the mound, back at home, day off, so their bullpen should be mostly back to full strength with regards to the rest of the issue, of course, that their bullpen just isn't as good as it was in the middle of the season when it was um, had a handful of different arms in there before all these injuries struck. So Mustwood game for the Yankees. Sideline says they should be favored. They are. It's the one game that the Yankees should be clear favorites, in my opinion. As much as I like Javier, Garrett Cole is just a really good pitcher. I mean, there's really no other way about it. Um, Sideline says Yankees minus 133. And if you look at the actual prices right now, that's smack in the middle of where we are. Uh, the current prices I'm seeing are Astros plus 128, so not high enough for good value there. And Yankees minus 138, so not good enough value there. I'll take the Astros in the run line as a C-grade pick. Uh, I, I don't think there's really a lot of reason to invest in this on the side if you're just really interested in something i think there's a little bit of value on the run line on the astros despite the steep odds and here's why it correlates to the total play i really like this under seven minus 121 it's my favorite play of this game sideline says it should be 6.3 weather wise we are going to start off in the mid 60s but we're going to cool off into the upper 50s and so early on in the game when these pitchers are fresh it's still not going to be warm. It's going to be a chilly night, um, but it's just going to get colder and colder and colder. Uh, bullpens are fresh. I, I just don't expect a lot of runs in this game. The first two games set up to be much more of over contest, especially that first one. And that first one couldn't quite get there. And the second one set up to be that way too, based off of the way the price was, the conditions, et cetera. And one inning had all the runs. It was bang, bang. You got all five runs. And then there were no runs the rest of the game. And it wasn't like game one where game one, you could have said there should have been more runs game two. There just wasn't a lot happening in that game. Base runner wise, you think about that game in a more hitter friendly ballpark, like Minute Maid Park, you come to a relatively chilly night, especially as the game goes on in Yankee stadium. Javier's a, a, as good of a pitcher as Severino is. And Cole's as good of a pitcher as Fromber is. I mean, you've got just as good a pitching. And again, you've got more rested bullpens. I don't see how this gets to seven. I really, I love this under seven again. And I love the push protection of seven just in case, you know, it does get a little bit higher scoring, but this feels more like it's going to land at four or five runs than seven. If I had to guess. Uh, so I love this under seven. And that's why I think there's a little bit of value on the Astros run line, just because we kind of talked about it and it was kind of my explanation for my pick in game two. And had I gone with this logic in game two, or had I, had I nailed the total, I would have won the run line pick on game two. I thought there were going to be a little more runs in game two. And anytime you think there's going to be more runs, it means there's probably a little bit of value on backing the minus 1.5. That's what I thought would happen in game two. And I was wrong. In that case, had I said there won't be a lot of runs, I would have said there's a little bit more value on the plus one and a half and plus one and a half of the Yankees would have won. So same thing. I think that there's not going to be a lot of runs. That means there's a little bit of value on the plus one and a half. If I thought it was going to be a higher scoring game, I'd probably be on the Yankees run line. But in this case, I think the plus one and a half makes some sense because I just don't think there's be a lot of runs. And that means it's going to be more likely to be a one score game. So okay, with the C grade pick, on the Astros run line, it is pretty steep odds, so I don't think it's worth too heavy an investment. My favorite play is that under seven. I just don't see a lot of runs happening in this game. Wins are going to be in 
maybe a little bit of cross, not very strong, but there should be absolutely no wind help and really no temperature help for these hitters. And the last thing I want to say about this is there's this narrative at times the Yankee Stadium's a hitter-friendly ballpark, and that's just flat-out wrong. There are portions of the park that play a little more hitter-friendly. We talk about the short right-field porch, but any analysis, like if you look at, for instance, Aaron Judge's home runs, every analysis I saw said basically if you take all of his home home runs and road home runs and, and flipped them around. He'd actually would have had uh, more home runs if he played all his games on the road than at home. It's not a overall hitter-friendly ballpark. They can play hitter-friendly in July when it's 90 degrees. Most places can play hitter-friendly when it's July and 90 degrees. On a chilly night in the fall, early in the season, late in the season, Yankee Stadium isn't really a hitter-friendly ballpark. That doesn't guarantee that there can't that this game can't get to eight runs. It's just that this Yankee Stadium is not really hitter friendly overall, especially in these conditions. So if you're thinking about the offenses and the overs, I would just say that Minute Maid Park is a much more hitter friendly ballpark than Yankee Stadium, especially on a night like tonight. And so I just don't think there should be a lot of runs. 745 Eastern first pitch Padres at the Phillies. A fun game. For game three on Friday night, game four now for the Padres. Again, not a must win for the Padres. Um, you know, none of these are must wins at this point, especially with the series being split coming back to Philadelphia. But the probability the Padres won this series if they won last night was up about 75%. And after losing, it's in the upper 30s. So, I mean, that game three was a pretty big game. And game four is also a pretty big one as well. The, the Padres did get the split against Wheeler and Nola in San Diego. They obviously hope to do the same, but those two guys are really good pitchers. The Padres definitely want to win this one and then at least say we only have to beat one of those guys. If the Padres lose this one, have to be both those guys. It's going to be really tough. Not impossible, but really tough. So the Padres really need this game. I am actually giving the Padres a little bit of a booster. Actually, I'm going to give the Phillies a little bit of a drop pitching-wise for burning all of their bullpen arms in seemingly multiple innings last night. They really went all in to win the game. I don't think that was the bad decision at all. I think it was a great decision because this game could get wild. I don't really know what's going to happen in it. Um, a lot of outcomes are on the table with these starting pitchers. I'll talk about that in just a minute. I think that was a smart decision by the Phillies just to go ahead and try to get the win. It was an important win and then say, who knows what's going to happen for the next three games with this one. And then Wheeler and Nola, they may not need a lot of those relievers. So using them in that game, I think it was a smart decision. But the counter to that is it does hurt them a little bit here in this game. And maybe going forward, we'll see how this one plays out. <clears throat> And who gets used, but it does hurt them a little bit here using all those guys. It'll be Bailey Falter to start, and then I'm assuming Noah Syndergaard and relief. Probably Falter just one time in the lineup. He has not pitched a lot in the last several weeks, um, so I don't think he's stretched out to go deep. He's also the worst starting pitcher that they've got. I think that Syndergaard's a better pitcher. I think that you do have the advantage with Falter as a lefty because, again, as I mentioned, the Padres are a little bit left-handed heavy, a little bit switch hitter heavy, and switch hitters tend to hit better from the left side than the right. That's mostly a universal rule. So the fact he's a lefty is better, but I've got Syndergaard as a better pitcher. The underlying metrics for him were not as bad as people made it out to seem. I think people expected him to be the the Thor from his prime, right? And he's not that good. He's maybe around average, but I still think he may be even a little bit better than average. A falter I have is below league average. He did have a 386 ERA this season, but the underlying metrics that his ERA should have been in the mid-fours. So I'm not sure I love this decision to start falter with regards to, I don't think he's that good of a pitcher, but if you tell him to just go one time through and throw everything he's got, I think he can do a competent job. And then if you tell you know, Thor coming in after that, you just got two times through through everything you got, maybe one, depending on how efficient everybody can be. They can set up okay for the Phillies. The issue is 
the bullpen did take a little bit of a hit yesterday, and all those guys are going to be a little bit less effective if available today. Some of those guys did throw a lot of pitches. So a little bit of question marks. Things could go well for the Phillies, but it does have to be kind of a everything goes right. And for the Padres, it's not drastically a different scenario. Clevenger on the hill. I've talked about how I just do not like him at all. 433 ERA and the underlying metrics say it should be in the upper four. So he has at least better historical data than Falter and could give you a little more length, which doesn't really matter today. And so sideline says Clevenger is a little bit better than Falter, but really I don't like either one of these guys. And I'd be looking to tell each one time through. I, I hope slash think that's what the Padres are thinking here, especially given how bad Clevenger was and the last time we saw him. Uh, I have to kind of assume that it's going to be a situation where they say, you know, one time through, that's it, everything you got, and then you go to Manaya. Manaya, Silent likes him better. He's been rested. That's part of his problem was his velocity was down because of just a little bit of arm fatigue. So that should help him. And then you get Manaya one time through, and then you turn it over to the rest of the Padres bullpen, which is pretty solid. And a lot of guys weren't used yesterday as well. So I think things set up more favorably for the Padres and the Phillies here, but I think both teams can piece together decent games. It could be a wild game because any one of these guys could be off and give up a three spot in a hurry. But in general, I, I don't think it's that bad for either team. I really like this under eight and a half. I think eight and a half is too much. I think people are reacting to, you know, in a lot of a lot of weak starting pitchers, but it's not like a regular season game where the manager is saying, "Hey, if you can go get me six, that'll be great. Try to go get me five or whatever." I, I would be surprised if either one of these guys goes five. The only way it's going to happen is if they start rolling, and if they do, great. But if not, I don't think that's really the game plan because they've got other arms behind them that are just as good, if not actually. I think Thor and Manaya are actually better than the two starters, so I don't see that. You have to go deep and maybe give up some runs. We have a long leash. I think these guys are going to have really short leashes. Silence is 7.7, and I am doing a little bit of trying to figure out exactly what penalties to apply here, giving the Phillies a little bit of a penalty for their bullpen usage, but giving both starters a little bit of a bump, saying I don't think either one of them is going to have to go to, to save anything, and then I think the guys coming behind them are decent. I just think eight and a half is too much. I think maybe this game gets to eight. I think the most likely outcome is seven. I was all over um, the under in game three and the under here in game four looks just as appealing. The numbers higher, expect a little bit more runs, but I still think it's overpriced. Again, maybe a little bit of an overreaction in game two, but I look at last night's game and if that game couldn't get over, I don't know how this one is just because again, these pitchers are going to have short leashes. I just would be surprised if either manager lets any of their pitchers here get into much trouble. So it's not just going to have to be one guy having a bad outing. It's going to have to be the guy right behind him as well, or multiple guys just really struggling to get over. It's possible. Obviously, there's no locks in gambling, but I think eight and a half is a little too high. So I'm going to go under eight and a half, minus 118. And my favorite play of this actually is Padres minus 105. I'm giving this an A grade pick. I made the comment, I don't really know what's going to happen. There are a lot of outcomes on the table, but again, we have to think of this from a probability standpoint. Minus 105 is a break-even probability of about 51% for the Padres. And while I don't know what's going to happen, I think there's just way more ways that the Padres win than lose. I think it could be a Padres blowout, Phillies blowout, Padres tight win, Phillies tight win, but that doesn't mean that I think all four of those are 25% likely. I think there's a little bit more likelihood that the Padres win this game simply because their offense is a lot better than the Phillies' offense. The relievers are better than the Phillies' relievers and more rested than the Phillies relievers. So with huge question marks on starting pitching and then who's going to go after the starting pitcher, I just tend to go back to, I know the game's in Philadelphia. The home field is built into the model. It was a, it, it can be a huge advantage, but if it was that simple, we would just say, oh, the home team wins every single game. It's not that simple, right? I do acknowledge that crowd was rocking last night. Crowd was rocking in San Diego both nights too. 
and that didn't help them in game one, right? So it's one of those things where I get that the game's in Philadelphia that is going to help with the home field edge there, but the Padres bats and bullpen, I think are the difference in this one. And sidelines is the, Potters win this game almost 55% of the time. And at minus 105, that's a great investment. So I don't know what's going to happen, but at minus 105, I think it's a great investment on the Potters. I just think they're more likely to win than the Phillies. I think there's a little bit more likelihood of a Potters blowout than a Phillies blowout, and a little bit more likelihood of a Potters close win than a Phillies close win. I like the way they're set up. So minus 105 is an A grade pick. And as you can see on screen, as long as it's minus 108 or better, that's an A grade pick. If it's a little bit worse than that, I'd still be on the Padres, but with a B grade. Weatherwise, again, like I said, I like that under similar situation to New York. We're going to start off a little bit cooler, actually, around 60 degrees, dropping into the mid 50s, and the winds initially projected to be potentially out when I ran the model previously. Now, this morning, with the updated forecast, show the wind shifting a little bit and mostly across. And under five miles an hour. So just like Yankee Stadium, no wind help for the hitters. No really wind help for the pitchers either. But we're talking about a fairly chilly night. And again, with pitchers on short leases, that leashes that should keep the totals a little bit lower than these numbers are projecting. So I like both unders. And like I said, favorite play on this one, even though I like both unders, is Padres at minus 105. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picks with the Professor. Don't forget to subscribe so you can enjoy all the sports betting content we've got on this channel. It's dropped right into your feed. And again, I will see you tomorrow with more Major League Baseball Championship Series betting content. Good luck with all your college football bets today. Good luck with these baseball bets. Good luck with your NFL bets. Lots of fun here this weekend. As always, remember, you can get your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money.